0: Well, we have some details on what our General Assembly in the state of Ohio would like to enable you to do as a parent, have more school choice, have the financial resources to help your kids get a better education. You can predict who hates it, the teachers' associations, the unions, and all the others. And so, you know, a general rule in life is if they hate it, it must be a really good idea. We will discuss it, give you some of the uh, texture outlining it today here on a Thursday edition of the Bruce Hooley Show. I did receive an email back, a long email back, in fact, from Franklin County Administrative Judge Kim A. Brown. B-R-O-W-N-E. There is another Judge Brown, and I certainly don't want you to confuse that one uh, with the one I've been exchanging emails with. I don't know anything about the other Judge Brown. What I know of this Judge Brown... um, I'm not a fan of, and uh, I will just say that she, I give her the benefit of the doubt uh, that she's just uh, misguided, uh, not purposefully bad. But I will go through her email and uh, my response to her email. As I do, I must say, appreciate very much uh, her detailed response. A lot of our elected officials are not accountable to the people who elect them. And she's a judge. She's protected by a bailiff. She's in a secure environment. She doesn't have to respond to an email. So I do very much appreciate the fact that she's willing to articulate her views and answer my questions. Um, we're not going to come to an agreement, and that's okay. Uh, I'd prefer we would. I'd prefer she'd change her judicial outlook, because I think if she changed her judicial outlook, um, Paula Kennedy, the Groveport Madison High School secretary, killed by a 15-year-old in a stolen car who ran a red light, hit her car, and killed her, I think Paula Kennedy and everyone else in Central Ohio would be a lot more safe if Judge Kim A. Brown, B-R-O-W-N-E, and her juvenile court judges would adjudicate differently. But we'll have time to get into that, and we will, and we will talk at noon today with a candidate for Columbus City Council. Now, this is a candidate who uh, I support and who I find very interesting and who you may know. His name is Tom Soucy. He is a former reporter at WSYX Channel 6. I would say Tom Soucy is one of those guys who is motivated by calling out the garbage, telling the truth, And standing up for justice. So he's like me. (laughs) So maybe that's why I like him. Notice I just said he stands up for justice. I didn't pair justice with an adjective of any kind. Climate justice or racial justice or social justice. Because justice does not need an adjective. And in fact, when justice is given an adjective, a funny thing happens. It ceases to be justice. Because then you've introduced partiality into something that should be impartial. So Tom Susie would be a fantastic choice for Columbus City Council. We'll talk about his campaign, what he's up against, what he's standing for. And the reason I'm having him on show is because he has written exclusively at his website about the juvenile justice system in the city of Columbus. He used to work at, as I said, at Channel 6. So his website is The Susie Report. We'll have Tom on the show at noon today. As for the effort to give parents more resources to, re- to educate their children, uh, true confession, my oldest daughter is homeschooled. My other two are in private Christian school. We pay for that. We would not tell you that that is uh, a painless process financially, but it is certainly a uh, prescient decision on our part, smart, purposeful, targeted, and well worth every dollar. A lot of parents can't do what we can do in that regard. Maybe they have to work. Maybe the public schools are just more convenient. They come get them. They take them in. Oh, they're more than happy more than happy to make it easy for you to send your kids to the public schools. It's only when you start to snoop around in what's going on in the public schools that the teachers' unions, not necessarily the teachers because there are many good teachers, there's just a few bad teachers and a few bad administrators, maybe more than a few, uh, who tell you to mind your own business. They realize that makes parents angry. Parents get mobilized. Parents go to school board meetings. Parents start running for school board. And so they realize they can't tell you to shut up and mind your own business because there's a cost for that. So now they're getting the Justice Department to tell you to shut up and mind your own business because it has more of a chilling effect when Merrick Garland and his henchmen from the FBI and the DOJ do it. But Aaron Baer, the president of Center for Christian Virtue and other uh, like-minded elected representatives from the state of Ohio, none of them Democrats, uh, are about backpack funding. Now, I've had Corey DeAngelis, a school choice advocate on this show many times, and you know that I am an advocate of what's called backpack funding, which means there's a chunk of money the state gives to your school to educate your child. And in some states, in fact, in a growing number of states, that money can go with the child where the child goes to school. Child wants to open enroll. Let's say you live in the Gahanna District. Child wants to go to New Albany. That money, if you have to pay to go to New Albany, and I don't know if you do because I can't imagine going from one public school to another, but I'm sure there are reasons for it, that money would follow your kid. And if you had to pay to get into New Albany, you could. But more than likely, you're going to take your kid out of Lincoln or out of New Albany or out of Groveport or out of Canal or out of... (laughs) Well, let's say where you should take them out of. Olin Tangy, UA, Hilliard. Get them out of there and get them into a private school. Wouldn't it be nice? Wouldn't it be nice if that portion of the state funding was given to you as a parent so you could use that money to pay for your kid's tuition? Yes, that would be very nice. You wouldn't have to be at 250% of the poverty level, which is basically $70,000. Now, if you make more than $70,000 as a family, you're not getting an Ed Choice Scholarship. And you're going to have to foot the bill out of your own pocket. So that's like 10 grand a kid, some places more. So this is what the bill is for. And I'm a proponent of it. Teachers' unions hate it, as I said. Here's proof Ohio Federation of Teachers President Melissa Cropper says that this will embolden parents to steal that money and spend it on things like boats and cars and maybe the more nefarious ones will start their own schools. Remember the flap about Bishop Sycamore, the high school where the kids were playing football but weren't doing anything else? She thinks that people will set up all kinds of phony schools. We'll send your kids there, they'll get the money, they'll make money. Uh, Bill Phyllis, who runs the Coalition for Equity and Adequacy in School Funding. Boy, he's ambitious. He wants adequacy. (laughs) he says there will be a lot of enterprising people starting up Bishop Sycamore type schools. Uncle Ted will hang out his shingle and say he will be able to operate a school program. Well, then here's what I would do. Mr. Phyllis and uh, Ms. Cropper, if the consumers are unhappy with the product, Rather than call the consumers' names and invent fanciful scenarios that haven't happened yet and paint a gloom and doom picture, how about you improve the product? That's what you'd have to do in the real world. If you owned a restaurant and your income started to flag, you would be smart if you served better food, afforded your patrons better service. It's no different. In the public school game, Get your board accountable to your parents. I know, we played a soundbite from a board member yesterday in Jonathan Alder who said, I don't want to be a liaison to the community. Well, that's unfortunate, Shannon Faust, because the ohioschoolboards.org website says if you're elected to a school board, you are, guess what, supposed to be a liaison to the community. If you're going to run for office, make sure you're okay with the duties inherent in the office and if you are on a school board and you don't want parents taking their kids out of your school and putting them in a private school and taking that chunk of state funding away from you improve the product improve your service is that so hard i suppose it is for a system where you've had your own way for decades and decades and decades and you like where it's heading promise your customers don't like where it's heading and they're fed up enough to put a stop to it. So I certainly wish uh, Reardon McLean of Upper Sandusky, the sponsor of the bill, and the other advocates, including Aaron Baer of Citizens for uh, Christian, uh, Center for Christian Virtue, I certainly wish them well in getting backpack funding to be the law of the land here in the state of Ohio. We need it. Other states have it. There's no reason why we shouldn't have it. So let's get it. Let's make it happen. Do a better job on this, a much better job on this, than you've done on bills keeping us from being forced to get the vaccine and wear a mask. Thanks for joining us here, a Thursday edition Bruce Foley show, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Monday through Friday. Take us with you wherever you go, iHeartRadio, Radio, radio.com app, our app, the 989-FM, the answer app, searchable in the iTunes and Google Play Store. Uh, I'm passionate about multiple things, but I think at a base level, I'm passionate about protecting people who can't protect themselves. I'm passionate about wisdom. I'm passionate about truth. Acquiring it, standing for it, sharing it. That's why we spend a lot of time talking about schools, and we spend a lot of time talking about crime and safety. And so I applaud the efforts of our General Assembly to ingrain a backpack bill and help parents have more choices when it comes to schools. Anybody who's fighting against that and anybody, whether they're in law enforcement or the uh, judicial community or the attorney community who is not standing up to protect, first and foremost, the citizenry, uh, I'm going to buck against them. So those are my values. I hope they're yours. I'm more than happy to have a conversation with you about them. I'm very certain what I believe and why I believe it. I think that's the best defense we have in a time where our culture is increasingly hostile toward us. Our number is 844-TALK-989-844-TALK-989. Chris in Hilliard has called it. He's on the Bruce Hooley Show. Hi, Chris. Hey, how you doing today, sir? Very good. Good, good. Uh, just a question for you. Um, like I said, I'm in Hilliard. I've had two, gra- two daughters, um, one's 18. She just graduated from Hilliard, and I have an 11-year-old who's in And currently in Hilliard schools, Mm -hmm. and and I I heard you say one of the schools that you get the kid out of Hilliard, and I'm just wondering like where like I haven't seen anything crazy from their assignments from great, uh, just kind of wondering what why Hilliard specifically I guess. Okay, so Hilliard affords their teachers the opportunity to select their own curriculum, and one of the curriculums that they've uh, selected in the literature. in the literature realm, and I'm not sure which high school it is. I know it wasn't Bradley. So it was Davidson or um, Darby. The book that the kids were studying was called Poet X, and it's pornography, and a parent pushed back against it. And then, of course, it becomes uh, an issue where, oh, the parent is evil. Oh, the parent shouldn't be retarding our ability to... Enlarge kids' minds. The other thing that they did in the Hilliard District is they enlisted kids to write a letter to Hilliard City Council advocating for city council to pass pro-LGBTQ-plus laws in the city. Now, I understand there are many people out there who have those values and are fine with that. I don't think that's an appropriate use of students in the Hilliard District to become little lobbyists for political viewpoints held by the Hilliard administration. So those are two examples why I say there's very questionable leadership in the Hilliard schools. John Marshhausen who was your superintendent is now in Dublin. That's why I'd be very suspicious if I'm a parent in the Dublin district. So that's my that's my little uh, summation of why I said what I said about Hilliard schools. But I applaud you if you're keeping track of what your kids are taught because I'm sure you have in fact I know two teachers in the Hilliard District, three actually, and they're phenomenal teachers, good, committed Christian people. So it's wholly dependent upon the type of teacher, and I hope you've had good experiences with your teachers out there. Oh, We have a Columbus public school teacher. She's been at East Linden Elementary for 23 years. Um, But, you know, she's a phenomenal teacher. But, yeah, all of our teachers have been great. I was just curious as to why you said that, so that might make me look into more, you know, things that I can get involved yeah, I, I wouldn't, thank you very much, Chris, and thank you for being a concerned parent and an involved parent, and that's what I tell everyone. My mom and dad never, ever cracked the cover of one of my textbooks. What are they teaching my son about American history? What kind of books are they reading in English literature? But, I mean, back in my day, <laughs> Our teacher, shout-out, Sandy Johnson, literature class, West Liberty Salem High School. She had us reading Wuthering Heights and Shakespeare, which I hated. But when we're reading Poet X, when we're reading, what was that smut they were reading in Hudson? 642 things to write about, write about a sexual experience you wouldn't tell your mom. Like, a lot of what's going on in schools is not education. It's grooming. It's here's what we believe. We believe, you know, a boy can be a girl, a girl can be a boy, a boy can be one of 650 genders. And so I know it's a little bit over the top and weird for me as a teacher to stand up here and pound the table for that. So here's what I'll do. I'll get the kids to study a book that puts those values out there and will force them to write about it. And then we'll get them to think about it. And we'll paint the perverted and the twisted as normal. It's a long game that they have played on the left for more than half a century. My parents' generation trusted that teachers would love America like they did. Would prioritize freedom and liberty. And meritocracy and hard work and all those Values that got us where we are. But because we are so privileged to grow up in this country, people are predisposed to just look for things to complain about. So we have an entire generation going on two generations now where they have to find fault with a system because, okay, they didn't achieve or they think it's unfair that I have to work hard or I have to get two jobs or I have to pay off my college debt or I see my neighbor who's driving a nicer car than I am and I don't have that car and there must be somebody who cheated me out of that car because they don't deserve that car. Man, I hate the word deserve. We're so fortunate. Anybody who's an evangelical Christian and understands sin and redemption, you're not crying out for what you deserve because you know you've already... (laughs) Come out way ahead on that front. But this is where we are. We don't have a country of shared values, and it's worse than that because we now have people teaching in our schools and, and being judges and prosecutors and presidents, not just of companies but of the United States, who hate the values that made us what we are.